Well, hallelujah, I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad for everyone that is watching tonight and is part of this service. Praise the Lord. So we're going to have some time where we'll get into the Word here in just a, a few moments. So praise the Lord, and uh, I just want to remind you that Sunday is Fellowship Sunday, so we'll have a short, abbreviated service, and then we will fellowship, and fellowship's always good when there's food. Amen? amen. Yes. And Corey said amen for everybody that's watching. And uh, so please come. You know, I'm speaking to the camera. I hope, you know, I hope some of you guys come down from someplace. That'd be great. Uh, you probably weren't here to sign the sign-up sheet of what you can bring. <laughs> but if you come, just bring a turkey under one arm and a pie under the other. But maybe not under the arm. <laughs> maybe in front of the, <laughs> maybe that's the best place, <laughs> in a basket. <laughs> Uh, and it's cooked. It needs to be a turkey that's not, its head's not, you know, <laughs> waggling around. So, glory. Um, thank you for your giving. Some I saw were giving while we were greeting one another. And if you have something tonight before the service is over, thank you for giving. And those of you that are giving online, we really appreciate it. Not forgetting the church or the ministry during uh Christmas, I know that's, you know, you've got family and other things that are very, very important, but thank you for remembering the church. Hallelujah. I want to say this kind of as a short advertisement. It's not what I'm preaching on tonight, and you're glad, especially with the holidays, but nothing is ever accomplished without intention. <laughs> nothing is ever accomplished without intentional purposes as as setting aside dates and times and so I would encourage you now for January I don't even know if we're going to have any messages on fasting in January maybe but I would encourage you begin to have blackout dates think about it now this is kind of like one of those commercials you see these commercials all the time where you see it the first time it comes out it's like a little you don't even know what are they trying to get across? You know the Dr. Pepper commercials? I don't know if you've seen any of those where it's like they have the first couple, it's like, I don't know what that, but it's in a saga. So after it keeps starts going, then it starts making sense, and then after a while it's like, oh, okay, I see. It's, it, after a while it gets comical or it expresses what they're trying to. So let me say this. Blackout dates for January means you take a calendar in the next week or two, you look at it and say, those are the days I am intentionally going to fast. If you don't, I said, I said to Candy today, we were going to Ava's recital, and she was eating a little bag of popcorn, not a big bag, but she was eating popcorn. I said, you know, we have to put our blackout dates. We need to start considering. And she goes, you're, you're saying that to me because I'm eating popcorn right now. <laughs> I said, why are you saying that to me right now? I said, no, I'm just... I'm thinking about what I'm going to say tonight at church and encourage the people. You know, no, no, no. It has nothing to do with your popcorn or you eating now. <laughs> sure, she says, sure. So blackout dates. Put them on your calendar. Hallelujah. With that in mind, tonight's message title is 
vomiting up quail. What? <laughs> I myself am saying, what? You think you'll fast? Okay, that's a good idea. You know, Sunday was really wonderful. I mean, it was, it was just awesome, and, and I'm not saying that to brag on myself. I'm saying we, the Lord came, and it was a revival-type atmosphere, and uh, Gary and Sue Carpenter happened to be home on that particular Sunday, so they joined us, and uh, so they were part of the service, and a lot of other people were and commented, and uh, the prophecy no inclination that that was going to take place. You can't make those things up. And when I read those prophecies and uh, even some of the things that the Lord gives me in letters and stuff, one thing I know is some, and some of the, th all those things that are said, I'm like, I know that's not me because I know I'm not that smart. And I, there's no way for me to articulate it and say it the way the Holy Spirit says it. And that's really indicative of all of us. Jesus said, it's not I, it's the works of the Father. It's the Father that works in me. And so uh, Sunday's prophecy will have it. It's already been typed up. And so I ask Sarah if her fingers had calluses on because it's so long. And I was like, I text her the next day and I said, I'm blaming this one on the Holy Spirit. <laughs> She's always good, though. Hallelujah. But we'll share that in time to come. Probably not Sunday because it'll be, we're, it'll be Christmas. Uh, but please come out and be a part of that. We don't have, you know, we didn't have one last year. I'm always surprised when people want to come and stay 30 minutes or a half hour and leave or, or 45 minutes and leave. Uh, you know, just there's no church that night. There won't be church for the next three weeks on Sunday night. So just hang out and uh, talk to everybody. Don't click up. Yeah, don't click up. So get around. You know, it's all right to sit at one table and eat, but then go around and listen to see if anybody's gossiping about the pastor. And then come straight to me. Come straight. Oh, you said, Corey said he's telling you now, right now he's going to have to gossip about the past. Well, I kind of figured that. So everybody sit at Corey's table and take notes. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we'll, that prophecy, very, very powerful, I just want to say, and we'll get it out, and it'll be on our website as well. Let's just pray. Father, we love you. We give all the glory to you. We can do nothing in ourself and of ourself. Our expectation is not of ourself. At least that's the stand that we take and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to make that stand, Father. Yes, Lord. We glorify you. We bless you. Help us to speak the truth in love and give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I reminisce of Sunday partly to say that Sunday was just right out of my spirit, and this one's out of my spirit as well, but in a different fashion. A lot of times as Sunday, there was no Bible, no notes, no anything, but 
tonight is just the opposite of that because of what he wants to say. It was very important for me to listen and type out or write down or speak out what uh, he wanted me to say to stay on point. And so, you know, I just work here. It's, it's amazing how different God has each service. And so uh, Sunday was just me speaking out of the heart, and it was very, very powerful. But tonight, I'm going to read much of this um, from my notes, as the Holy Spirit gave me, and also uh, exhort some of it. And we're going to have quite a bit of Bible reading here for a little bit, but that's okay because it's still pretty early. So I'll tell you what I'm going to tell you to start with, and, and you listen up, and then we'll turn to some scripture. This is a message regarding God's judgment in the body of Christ. We're going to talk about the judgment that's on America right now, but we're also going to talk a little bit about probably the most important part of that is the judgment that's on the body of Christ and how the body of Christ is part of that judgment and what we're supposed to be as the body of Christ that's part of that judgment as revivalist because there's a part of the body of Christ that is part of that judgment in contempt but uh, thankfully we're not relating ourselves to that it's not only this message is not only a message of realizing the present state of the church but also our part, as I just said, in the judgment in the days ahead. It is a sober, it's a somber message, and it's also one of hope and joy. And we'll, we'll see that hope and joy as we look at our part of it as we continue on in Scripture. I want to acknowledge this. Here's an acknowledgement. It is extremely necessary to be careful with Old Testament analogies and symbols concerning their parallels to the New Testament church. So I'm saying that to all teachers, all people that are trying to make an example, an illustration, because we're going to give some illustrations and parallels out of the Old Testament, especially out of Moses, uh, his administration. But I'll say that in a certain sense to say, uh, be careful, all of us, to be careful because sometimes the parallels in the Old Testament don't always exactly, you know, parallel the truths of um, the New Testament as far as trying to make an example. All the truths there are always intact, but sometimes we want to make an example. But in these, I, I'm saying that to say this, um, I begin to see in my spirit the parallels here. And so part of this message is prophetic in the sense of what I can see, and I believe that your spirit will agree as you hear. God's first, let me make this statement concerning judgment. God's first choice in judgment is that we judge ourselves. When we're talking about judgment and sin and correction. I'll read this verse or these two verses. You don't have to turn there because we'll have you turning to other ex more extensive verses in a little bit. 1 Corinthians 11.31 says this, For if we, that's us, the church, would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. Okay. The first order is that judgment 
or you might say correction. We'll put it in correction concerning the body of Christ. The first order is that judgment or correction comes through first. I'm going to name five areas at least. First, through your new nature. In other words, your spirit goes, ah, no, wrong. It was a prophecy that the Lord said in one of those blueprint prophecy bumper rails. I put bumper rails on you. So our spirit, our born-again nature, our born-again spirit, which has the nature of God in it, has bumper rails. It knows. So the first, probably the first place of knowing right and wrong and judgment is uh, the new nature, or then the Holy Spirit, oh, let me back up, um, new nature, word of God, as you read the word, you can look in here and say, oh, that's plain, I see from God's word, I can't be participating in that, okay, or there's a judgment that the Holy Spirit makes in your spirit in conviction. The next is, of course, the Holy Spirit, and I'm not giving these in in pecking order, I'm just giving these out. The next concerning judgment that will come to an individual or the church, as in making proper judgment, like I need a correction, is also through the fivefold ministry. It's also as you hear the man or woman of God speaking, and the word says in you know um, Ephesians 4:11 that these were given to the church for edification, for you know correction, all these things. And so, um, correction comes, judgment comes through the fivefold. It also comes, and I'll say this a couple of times because it, it, it may be that it needs repeating. Correction also can come to individuals through, I'll call it moat-free or, or beam-free individuals, Christian brothers or sisters. What do you mean moat-free, beam-free? Moat-free, beam-free, easy for me to say, um, is Matthew 7. He talks about how can you, it, that, whole, that whole dialogue, that whole thing that Jesus is talking about is not that the body of Christ or, or, or members of the body could not make judgments. The whole thing was, in fact, really it's an encouragement to make spiritual judgments, but you have to be free from the very thing that you're trying to make a judgment on. And he, he, in other words, he said, why behold the mote that is in your brother's eye when you have a beam? It's like comparing a splinter to a two-by-four or something even larger. Jesus really exaggerates in a wonderful way, but it's truth to say there's no way that you can make a judgment of taking a splinter or a speck out of somebody's eye when you yourself, he said, first cast the beam out of your own eye, then you can make the judgment. So if you have a beam-free, moat-free, everything's free, and that brother or sister, they can go to another part of the body of Christ and say, look, I, in love, I've sincerely, privately, I've been praying for you because I see this in your life. Sometimes you don't have that kind of rapport with, person, with a person and they won't even... But if you have enough clout in a person's life, if you're free, the Holy Spirit will anoint you. He will anoint you if you're truly free. Now, if you're mixed up in it yourself in some way, you won't carry the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You'll be more of a just a, I'm going to correct you. And they'll feel that. They'll feel that, you know, okay, uh, you're trying to use the name of Jesus, but I can feel your personality in this. 
okay? So uh, correction can come from fivefold. It can come from moat-free or beam-free brothers in love. Now, some will say, some people, I would say at large, people, not necessarily in this congregation, but some will say, let's just pray for them that they will become convicted about what they're doing. Okay? And in some cases that may work, but what we're talking about is the body of Christ at large, or you'll hear me use this term several times tonight, the backslidden church. That doesn't work. That doesn't work because they have skipped all of those different things. They have gotten hardened too. That sounds real good. Now this is what I have in my notes. That sounds real good. What sounds good? Let's just pray for them that they'll get convicted. That sounds good, but when they have exhausted conviction and have, in, and have hardened their hearts against the voice of their new nature or the Holy Spirit and spend no time in the Word of God and have uh, their deceptions reinforced by fivefold ministers who condone their sins. See, that's the other thing, too. If you start to harden your heart towards conviction, you're pristine. You're a new slate at born again. Where you stay at depends on who you listen to. If you start going to a church that doesn't preach sin and condones it, in other words, well, it's okay, I know, but people make mistakes, you know, eventually your pristine, clean slate of conviction, in other words, had they asked you, do you think sleeping around is wrong? When you're really born again, five minutes old or five days old, you'll say, yeah, yeah, that's, I, I, yeah, no, I believe that's wrong. Do you know where it's at in the Bible? No, but it's, but if you start going to church that condones that, and they don't necessarily stand from the pulpit and say that, but they never preach against sin, and everything is just a personality problem, they are going to take something that is a clean slate, a pristine, and they're going to brainwash it and help hardened, harden the heart. In other words, life itself and your own deception will be reinforced by a pulpit that condones it and says there's a grace. You don't even have to repent. You just have to realize how much he loves you. That condoning will actually reinforce the deception, and uh, that's not good, of course. If they spend no time in the Word and they have deception reinforced by the fivefold ministers, who condone their sins and have friends, here we go back to those kind of friends, friends with beams in their own eyes encouraging their sins, becoming convicted, uh, becoming convicted becomes impossible. It really does. Um, and outside some kind of major miracle of God, because they're, if, they, they're not going to, if, they're, if they start going backslide, they're usually not looking into the Word, so he can't, the Holy Spirit can't convict them by the Word. They're probably not attending church, but if they are attending church, many of them, most of them, a lot of them, I should say, are attending a church that condones it. So it's hard. It's really super hard for the Holy Spirit to get in there. And if they do have support groups, God help the support groups. 
You know, if a man is trying to get off of porno, he needs to come to a church like this and say, man, we love you. I mean, we love you to pieces. And we're going to help you. We'll have fast with you, pray with you. But first of all, you have to realize there's no excuse. No excuse. Many, let's talk, let's talk about it, groups, are just 10 guys sitting there how you doing? Well, I fell this week. I struggled this. They're just, they're just, I'm still fighting lust. I'm still, they're not speaking the word. It's a reinforcement in the negative. It just fuels what they're going through. Well, I just, I had a hard time. I got on a site last night and I saw blah, blah, blah. And they're all like, oh yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm not trying to be mean. It just reinforces it. You just reinforce it. So what we're seeing is the church at large trying to substitute man-made psychology and different things for the power of the Word of God. So where is the church at large in America? And where is the church because and where is America because of where the church at large is at? America is under judgment, or I will put, I will put the. I will put the caveat of, of partial judgment. The church at large is under partial judgment. Judgment has come and is coming because God's first choice of corrections have been exhausted. He's tried to get across. The pulpit has failed. A lot of different other spiritual things that he really wanted to have done has failed because of leadership now i want to say this because we're going to go into some old testament parallels here in just a moment the old testament parallels of god's judgment concerning israel and israel's captivity were in increments it came in 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 layers slices if you look at the old testament uh and most of almost i don't know how much but a huge portion a huge portion of the old testament is prophetic books speaking to israel and then israel divided israel uh, slash judah which became two nations um, concerning the future judgment of captivity that was going to come on them by uh, the babylonians and you know, the Nebuchadnezzar. Actually, Assyria came in and uh, did a big wipeout on, on, uh, on the northern kingdom, which was Israel, even prior to the, you know, the total um, judgment that finally came. But if you read all these prophetic books, Jeremiah and, you know, Ezekiel and all those, you'll see that God's judgment, you know, just a real quick, real super quick synopsis is the nation of Israel which was 12 tribes after the death of Solomon divided into two parts there were 10 tribes to the north and two tribes to the south and they became two nations because they could not decide uh, between Reboam and Jeroboam you know one was the son of Solomon one was another man and so they divided in parts well as you look at the Old Testament the nation of Israel um, 
to the north just had continually wicked, 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 wicked kings. And the nation to the south had wicked kings, but they had a whole lot more of the, you know, the good kings. Um, Hezekiah, Asa, um, Jehoshaphat, different ones that led, you know, the, the, the nation of, of Judah into the things of God. But during those times, over the whole period of time where all these prophets are prophesying, it's not like God just allowed judgment to sweep in, boom, and just wipe them all out and take them away all at once. The nations of the, the nation of the north were, they fell in increments. Different things would happen, and God would say, this is my judgment. Listen to this. Watch this. You're going to be taken away. You're going to be destroyed if you don't listen, if you don't straighten up, if you don't turn from your idolatry. They were worshiping other you know, gods. They were involved in all kinds of hideous sexual sins and, and child sacrifice. And even that, God used the nation of the north, which were all the tribes of, of Israel, different tribes, ten tribes of Israel, they got carried away into captivity like a hundred years before the bottom half, the, you know, the south half of the, the, the southern kingdom. Um, Judah, and I believe Benjamin was part of that. And so God used them, and then there was prophecies like, you don't want to wind up like those guys. They're our, they're our Jewish brothers. But God saved them. But the whole storyline is, is it came in increments, and it came by God's mercy saying, it, this is partial, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse, it's going to get worse. Well, here's the parallels. Um, there's a final judgment that is coming, and that's seen in the book of Revelation. That's straight up, straight out from God. You know, Satan's going to have his part in it too, but there's going to be things that come straight from God. I mean, straight from God on this earth that is judgment. Right now, God is trying to get, let, I'm going to single this down. He's trying to get the planet to a place where they uh, receive this outpouring and this harvest. And I'm going to single this down to America because we're going to talk about America mostly here tonight in these in these last in the, the last part of this but god is allowing or god has said yes to himself that judgment is on america but it's only partially because we're not destroyed yet a big part of us our salvation for this nation is revival now make no mistake about it this is something we have to say clearly over and over again. Even if the nation does not of itself, if it remains in judgment, revival will still take place. Revival and a, and a nation being judged can happen simultaneously. Don't think that, well, our government's got to get straightened out to parallel. In other words, that revival is something predicated on the nation getting straightened out. Revival thrived in the first century, and Israel was under the judgment of Rome. In other words, Rome ruled over them, and that was a judgment because of their, the way that they had handled the law and rejected Jesus, and Rome was over them. And yet, revival, 
It did not stop the first century revival. It didn't stop the church at, at Jerusalem from having those great crusades and Peter's shadow. And so, please, we've got an awesome, awesome, <laughs> I want to say, I started to say chance. I believe it's better than a chance that revival will change governmental things and uproot certain, I'll say, trees that have not been planted of God. But don't predicate what can happen in Washington on how that will affect revival. Revival's independent of all that. Revival's like, <laughs> we can go, we can live with you or we can live without you. Either way, that doesn't make a difference because we have that from Scripture. And so that's what we have to continually settle in our heart. Um, judgment has come, it's coming. The Old Testament parallels, we just talked about that. Um, it never came all at once. We talked about that. The final judgment of the world, we talk about that concerning uh, the backslidden church and the world will be carried out in the book of Revelation. If we can read that, it's a dicey book in a certain sense as, as far as understanding, but you at least can see there's an awesome judgment there coming to the planet from God. Until then, partial judgments and revival will work simultaneously for the purpose of and it's all for the purpose of the harvest. Now, me, uh, if I get my choice, I want revival and some wonderful things to happen in America. That's my choice. And I believe we can believe for that. So let's look at some Old Testament parallels. And I'll, I'll have you turn. Go to Exodus chapter 32. Hallelujah. This is where we'll do some reading. Because it's, it's very difficult I might skip some verses if I can because I'm reading whole chapters and having to do that in two different places. It's kind of difficult. But uh, let me read this. And when the people saw, are you there? I should give you to uh, Exodus 32, those of you that are watching and here. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we, we wot not, and we don't know what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them unto me. And the people break off the golden earrings, which were in their ears and brought them into Aaron and he received them out of their hands and fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made it a moldened calf and they said these be our go uh, thy gods O Israel which brought thee out of the land of Egypt so Ma Moses is up on the mount of course Joshua's up there in another place from him but they're both away from the people at the time. And this is where Moses is actually receiving the law or the Ten Commandments. Verse 5, And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the mor morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. Besides for that, I'll just tell you later, it says, And they were naked. In other words, you know what was going on. A lot of crazy stuff. And the Lord said unto Moses, Go, 
get thee down. For thy people which thou broughtest out of the... See, watch, watch, watch this, what God is saying. Go get thee down for thy people. God's just like... <laughs> watch this giveaway here. But watch this giveaway. <laughs> thy people. <laughs> what? <laughs> which thou hast brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves, and they have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They've made unto them a molten calf, which, it, which have worshipped it, and have sacrificed thereunto, and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said unto Moses, I have seen this people, and behold, as a stiff-necked people, and therefore let me alone. Man, God has got an attitude, like don't even say anything. I don't even want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. God said, let me alone that I may, my wrath may wax hot against them and that I may consume them and I will make thee a great nation. And, Mo and Moses brought, besought the Lord, his God, and said, Lord, why doth thy wrath wax hot against the, thy people which thou hast brought forth out of the land of Egypt which with great power and with, great, and, and with mighty, thy mighty hand? And so he talks about if you do this, then the you know, the Egyptians are going to hear this, and he, he brings up Abraham and Isaac and, you know, and Israel, which is Jacob. And the Lord, it says in verse 14, repented of the evil. In other words, the Lord said, okay, I won't do that. The Lord doesn't repent of sin. He just, this just meant he changed his mind. And this is a great, you know, message of an intercessor, what intercessors can do. And Moses turned and went down from the mount, and the two tablets of the testimony were in his hand. And the tablets were written on both of their sides and on one side and on the other were written and it talks about that a little just one more verse and then Joshua in verse 17 heard the noise of the people that as they shouted and he said unto Moses you know once Moses gets close enough to Joshua he says there's a noise of war in the camp in other words there must be an attack against the people and he said it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome the voice but the noise of them that sing do I hear and it came to pass soon as they came nigh to the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing and Moses anger waxed hot and he cast the tablets out of his hands and break them beneath the mount now Moses is real mad I mean he's so mad he throws down the ten commandments and he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strewn it upon the waters and made the people of Israel to drink of it and Moses said to Aaron thou wilt uh, what did th this people unto thee that thou shalt brought this great uh, sin unto them now we'll just stop right there uh, verse 30 to 25 it says that's where it says and Moses saw the people they were naked and Aaron had made them naked and their shame among the enemies uh, let's you know Moses calls out who's like, who's on my side, the Levites in verse 28, stand up with him. And uh, the Bible says there fell that day 3,000 uh, men and because these Israel, you know, these Levites went out, put their sword on, and went, be, went to slay and slayed all these people. But uh, let's skip down. Um, verse 31 and no, well, let's go to verse 30. I could have kept reading, probably been there by now. And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up unto the Lord. Preventure, I will make an atonement for your sins. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, 
Oh, this people have sinned a great sin and have made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sins, and if not, blot me, I pray thee out of thy book, which thou hast written. I mean, this is the heart of a true intercessory, saying, Lord, if, if you won't do this for them, then don't do it for me. And the Lord said to Moses, Whosoever um, hath sinned against me, him will I blot out of my book. Therefore now lead the people unto the place which I have spoken unto thee. Behold, my angel shall go before thee. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit, I will visit their sins upon them. And the Lord plagued the people because they had made the calf which Aaron made. Or the people, yeah, caused, let me read that again. And the Lord plagued the people because they made the calf which Aaron made. Let's talk about the calf. Let's talk about verse 20 out of this and it says he that's Moses he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire and ground it to powder and strewn it upon the water and made the children of Israel to drink now I begin to think about this concerning judgment America and different things that the Lord had been saying into my spirit for a while but why did God make the children of Israel drink the water of the golden calf I mean that's that's peculiar. He melts it, grinds it, and then puts it in the water and says, everybody drink. I want, I want you know, all the people to drink thereof. Um, I read a number of different commentaries, but I liked this one particular because it spelled out some of the things that I was listening in my own spirit as the Lord was, I believe, prophetically speaking this to my own heart and things that he was saying concerning the judgment that has come to America and the partial judgment. But I like this out of Gill's expository. He said um, a few things, and I'm breaking this down in my own words because it was quite long. But he said he wanted, God wanted them to swallow their own sin. He wanted them to swallow their own sin. And for me, I saw that as, now let me distinguish this. We know if a man comes and says, Lord, forgive me and truly repents, God forgives him and sets him on the right path. I'm not talking about that kind of man. Let me make that decision, uh, distinction. I'm talking about a church at large that has not repented leading into, let's say, I'll skip ahead of myself a little bit here, what happened last November in our nation was not repentful and yet had a big part in what we call judgment, and I'm terming, uh, terming it as partial judgment. But in this instance, when the nation fell, God took what they were worshiping, ground it to powder, and said, drink it. He wanted them to swallow their own sin, and I wrote this down. Judgment sometimes entails rubbing the face of the offender in their sins. Now that goes against, like, God will forgive and wash, and that sounds... Contrary to that, I'm not talking about the man who truly repents. I'm talking about a backslidden church that is very content to stay in their backslidden sins. So judgment comes to not only reveal their sins, but to rub, if I can put it this way, rub their face in it. The other thing, too, about drinking, and I like this, and I kind of thought this even before I'd read it, Drinking the very substance of the idol that they had just been worshiping 
passing through their bowels, it became an excrement that expressed how detestable their sins were. Should I say it any other way? Homer would. <laughs> when you, my buddy that was testified, remember that? <laughs> when you look at what you just left and it has gold sprinkles in it, you realize that wasn't worth, worth worshiping. <laughs> Does that express it? Like that God is poop <laughs> dung yeah they drank the calf or the idol here's another expression that's really good they drank the calf or idol that could not save itself from the fire what an expression of like how dumb can you get and still be alive and breathe i just made you drink the god now it's poop, and that God that you just, that I just demolished and you drank and it's poop, it couldn't save itself. So what do you think about your God now? Number four, it may have been, now this is, and I had, this is amazing. Now, because I'd read this earlier in the day, and then, the, then he said something a little along this lines. He did say, and then I looked it up and read on it, and we're not going to turn there. But them drinking the golden or the water that was strewn with the gold also may have had a connection um, with judgment concerning the parallels of the, the waters of jealousy that's called uh, different scholars or different people will call it the uh, waters of jealousy. And it's, um, you can look it up later. We won't go there tonight. It's in Numbers 5, 11 through 31. And what the waters of jealousy were, it's part of the law. And some of you will think, well, what, why the woman? Well, that argument we won't go into tonight. But, um, and I will say this in preface, it, 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 it serves for a good parallel for the bride of Christ. But the waters of jealousy were if a man suspected that his wife, you can find this in Numbers 5, if a man, interesting reading, found that he suspected his wife of committing adultery on him and he could not prove it if she was not caught in the act or nobody really could, if he found no testif testimony. But he really felt in his heart she had committed adultery on him he could go to the priest and say, I'm, I'm testifying, I believe my wife has committed adultery on me. Well, ha do you have proof? No. But I want her tried with the waters of jealousy. So um, she would go in, stand before the priest, and the priest would, interesting reading, he would take actually soil from the floor of the tabernacle, pour it into a, 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 a basin, with water and stir that up and she would stand there before him he would also take a scroll and write down uh, the curse that would come on her which the curse would be that she would uh, become her abdomen would begin to bloat and she would become barren she would never be able she would always miscarry any child that she conceived she would always mis miscarry he would write that and he would he would take water pour it over the scroll the scroll would go into the cup as well and 
he would ask her to give give her testimony and say are you saying before almighty god that you have had no adulterous affair on your husband as you hold this cup and if she said yes then she was asked to drink of the waters and uh, that was it then as time went on as she left um of course if there was no adultery if there was no you know um cheating on her husband she was fine physically fine if not her abdomen would begin to swell she would become you know problems she would have all kind of female problems and she would never be able to conceive the curse she would so this could very well have been you know we're, we're giving you a lot of old testament history here when those people drank of that water you know the Lord said, as we closed that chapter there, that not only did the, we saw the Levites went out there and killed a bunch of these, excuse me, naked people <laughs> that were committing lewd fornication in the whole camp, but Moses says, I want everybody to drink of this golden water. So what does that tell us? And it also said a plague came on them afterwards. It's very possible, I can't prove this, it's very possible that it was very, it was very close to the waters of jealousy, that those that were participants in this also had some severe judgment that came on their body in the days ahead. So why are we saying that? In less than one year, let me say this, in less than one year, the nation and the church is starting to experience the judgments from the choices made in November. Okay. Actually, those choices, I will say this, actually those choices were made by the church in years prior to, to, to November. It, it didn't happen in November. Now let's go to Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. Chapter, what chapter, Pastor? Chapter 11. Uh, and this is one that I've, I, you know, I tried to skip over and save time with that last one. I found out I could have probably just kept reading, but it's okay. That's the word of God. We love the word, right? Okay, so let's follow along together. <clears throat> so here's Israel, and they're, you know, going through the wilderness, and they're about to do some more major complaining. And verse 1 says, and when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. And the Lord heard it, and his anger was kindled, and the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them that were in the uttermost parts of the camp. And the Lord cried unto Moses, or, excuse me, and, and the people cried unto Moses, and when Moses, I knew I was reading something wrong there, and Moses prayed unto the Lord, the fire was quenched. And he called the name of the place Tibera, because the fire of the Lord burnt among them. And the mixed multitude that was among them, and the mixed multitude were those that were not Jewish, but were part of the exile coming out of Egypt. A lot of different other nationalities came with them. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting 
And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? Now watch this. We remember. Now you're talking about a spirit of the flesh. We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely. Like just like they were free people. Are you? How dumb. The cucumbers. The melons, I don't like none of this stuff. I mean, yeah, some of it, okay. The cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Come on, this is slave food. This is slave food. And they're like, we miss it so bad. This is the problem with the church at large. Even, and, I, and I'm getting ahead of, my, of where my notes might be in a little bit. I've got to say it right now. Even with the judgment that's starting to be levied on America, and has happened over the last 11 months, I have not heard of any major ministries where there's like mega church ministries. I've not heard, I'm not saying it's not possible, but it's not come to my attention, and I've not had anybody that's in the know of things or anything that I've read or anything like from charisma of any pastors or really mega known men that would be has started to say in this last year you know even if they didn't openly repent and say I've been wrong about everything I've not heard anybody in that church at large starting to say you know what we need to get back to some old foundational stuff now it's been that's being preached among us but I'm not hearing those mega church people and big churches at large talk about repentance and getting back to purity and soundness of doctrine. And some way, whether they said it or not, they were some way saying, hey, let's kind of go back to the old. Let's find our roots in the Word of God. And without, you know, even if a man didn't want to stand up that, that pastors 50,000 people and say, I'm sorry, I've been wrong all this time. Even if he wanted to save a little face, he could start saying, you know what? God is showing me. That's a good way to say. God is showing me some things that I haven't seen before. Well, excellent, sir. Keep on that path. Start showing us where God is showing you how to get past, you know, the, the doctrines that has led the church astray. We remember the fish and we, 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 that we ate in Egypt freely and the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. And now our soul is dried away, and there's nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. And the manna was as coriander seed, and the color thereof as the color of debellum. And the people went about and gathered it, and ground it in meal, and beat it in mortar, and baked it in pans, and made it and made cakes of it, and the taste of it was the taste of fresh oil. And when the dew fell upon the camp in the night, the manna fell upon it. And the Moses heard the people weep throughout their families. Every man in the door of his tent and the anger of the Lord was kindled greatly. And Moses also was displeased. Now, this is not a weeping like that comes out of the new nature or the power. This is a complaining, weeping, uh, self-induced pity party that is that's putrid. In the eyes of God, God didn't, God didn't look on him and say, my poor little people, you need to have your 
garlics and you're yeah you were better off before I brought you out yeah right I'm gonna slap all of you he says and Moses said unto the Lord wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant <laughs> okay listen now here's Moses he's starting to okay he's starting to go at the Lord here okay and Moses said okay and Moses said unto the Lord wherefore hast thou uh, we'll get to that in a minute what I was just said wherefore hast thou afflicted thy servant and wherefore have I found favor in thy sight that thou mayest that thou layest the burden of all these people upon me. He says, have I conceived, are these my children? I didn't, I, I didn't give birth to them. <laughs> they didn't, you know, they're not mine. Have I conceived all this people? Have I begotten them that thou shouldest say unto me, carry them in thy bosom as a nursing father beareth a sucking child unto the land? which thou swearest unto the, their fathers, where, you know, Moses is really, now Moses is giving God the what for. Wherefore should I have flesh to give unto this people? For they weep unto me, saying, Give us flesh that we may eat. I am not able to bear all this people alone, because it's too heavy for me. And if thou deal thus with me, in other words, if you're going to, if I've got to put up with this, kill me. I'd rather he kill me. I can't take any more of this. We, you, we just brought him out of Egypt. We set him free. And now they're wanting, they're, they're longing to go back and eat. And they're crying and they're belly aching. I pray thee, he says, kill me. I pray thee out of hand if I have found favor in thy sight and let me not see my wretchedness. In other words, if you really love me, God, just kill me. I can't take any more of these. And the Lord said unto Moses, Gather me up, I like this, where we're going with this. Gather unto me 70 men of the elders of the people and officers over them and bring them unto the tabernacle of the congregation that they may stand there with thee. And I will come down and talk with thee there and I will, watch this, I will take of the spirit which is upon thee and I will put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with thee, that thou bear it not thyself alone. Now, this is a picture of Joel's army here. This is a picture that God says, okay, Moses, I'm putting my spirit, that's your spirit, I'm putting your spirit on them. It's not that it was Moses' spirit, it was Moses' anointing. And he's saying in Joel's army, where we're going, it's not just Pastor Bronx or Jim Martins, or Gary Carpenters, or any man or woman that stands here, it's not one, the Lord's saying, I'm gathering elders, and they're taking on that same spirit, it's just as important to them to receive this as it is to you, and that's where, we're get, that's where it gets good, and he said unto, and, and say unto thou unto the people, sanctify yourself against tomorrow, and you shall eat flesh, for you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Who shall give us flesh to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore the Lord will give you flesh, and you shall eat. But I'm telling you, <laughs> this is not somebody that's real happy. He's going to give them flesh, but he's not happy about it. And you shall, and you shall not eat flesh one day. You're not going to eat flesh two days. 
You're not going to eat flesh five days, nor ten days, nor twenty, but a whole month until it comes out your nostrils. Now, <laughs> it might tonight. I'll skip ahead of what I probably have in my notes here, but eating something to being so full can only go so much. And the only way it can ever come out your nostrils is that you've got to vomit. Now, I've, I hate to get gross on you, but I have, all of us have, if you've ever been so, and I hate throwing up, I'd almost rather face anything. I'll lay there for hours just begging myself, don't do it. Please don't do it. I'll go to the limit until, to where it can make a mess, and I'll just like, man. But I hate to, I hate to. I hate to, but I have vomited until it came out my nostrils. Pastor, you didn't have to go there, especially it's bad when the chunks come out. <laughs> God was saying, you're going to eat quail and flesh until the chunks come out. And he's saying that to America because he's levied a judgment on us and we're going to eat the church. And there's a lot of, see, the sheaves, which is us, are, get, are mixed in with the tares and we're also mixed in with the backslidden church. But what is coming to America and what has already come, God's going to feed this back to them until they say, I, I can't take no more. I'm sick of this. I am absolutely sick of it to vomiting. And we'll say some more about that in just a moment. Thank you so much. But even the whole month until it comes out your nostrils, and it'll be loathsome. In other words, you'll hate it unto, unto you because you've despised the Lord which is among you and have wept before him saying, Why came we forth out of Egypt? And Moses said, The people whom I, I am are 600, 600,000 footmen. Now that's just uh, numbering soldiers. So women and children, that's, you know, we've got maybe a couple million people here. And thou hast said, I will give them flesh. At this point, God hadn't said how it's coming, that they may eat a whole month. Shall the flocks and the herds be slain for them? In other words, whatever animals we have, are we supposed to kill all of them to suffice them? Or shall all the fish of the sea be gathered together for them to suffice them? Moses is like scratching his head saying, God, you're saying you're going to give them flesh. I have no idea how you're going to do that. Meat, flesh. He's talking about meat. And the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hand waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my word shall come to pass unto thee or not. And Moses went out and told the people the word of the Lord and gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them round about the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in the cloud and spake unto him and took, I love this, took the spirit that was upon him and gave it into the, unto the 70 elders. Glory to God. How, wave at me if you're willing to let the spirit of God come on all of us for this purpose. Amen. And you through the cameras. And it came to pass when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. They prophesied and did not cease, but there remained two of the men in the camp. The name of the one was 
Eldad, and the other was Medad. And the Spirit rested upon them, and they were of them that were written, but went not out unto the tabernacle, and they prophesied in the camp. And there ran a young man and told Moses and said, Eldad and Medad do prophesy in the camp. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses, one of the young men, answered and said, My Lord Moses, forbid them. And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake? Would God that all the Lord's people were prophets. Hallelujah. You ought to shout at that. And that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. And Moses got him unto the camp, and he and the elders of Israel. And there went forth a wind from the Lord, and brought quail from the sea, and let them fall by the camp. And it were a day's journey on this side, and as it were a day's journey on the other side, and round about the camp, as it were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And the Lord stood up all day. No, I'll just stop right there. We'll read the rest of it in a moment. When you read this from commentaries, it'll tell you uh, a day's journey, and they, they're back and forth, they vacillate on how far, but it, they're saying miles in a diameter, these billions and millions, and some will say it's not that they all just stacked up like two cubits high dead, but the Lord drove them in. I mean, that's possible from this reading. You can you kind of think that they're stacked up two cubits high, but it's also said that they, he drove them in, that they were, you know, by these millions, this wind drove them in, and they were up uh, floundering at just two cubits high. In other words, they were easy pickings for the people to, to grab for miles, for miles. There had to be, God only knows, millions and millions, hundreds of millions of them that this wind blew in. They were, the word says here is they were two cubits high upon the face of the earth. And if you go with that little translation, you, you got quail stacked up for miles this high. That's crazy. That is crazy. And the people, um, verse 32, stood up all that day and all that night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. And he that gathered least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad for themselves round about the camp. And watch this. You know, sometimes people like to say, well, you know, I sinned, but I got some pleasure out of it and stuff. It's bad when you don't even get pleasure out of what you've, you, you're fixing to get. They didn't, even get. they didn't have time to get pleasure in what they were getting to, fixing to be judged for. And while the flesh, while, the, while they were still chewing the, the uh, quail, while the flesh was yet between their teeth, or it was chewed. The wrath of God was kindled against the people, and the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of that place, that place, because there they burdened the people that lusted. There they burdened, buried the people that lusted. And the people journeyed from that place, okay, and that place, and on and on. But you get the image, correct? Now let me go back to my notes. We're getting closer here. In less than one year, the nation and the church is starting to experience the judgment from the choices made last November. And actually, I said that was way before. We just read and exhorted Numbers 11 
as Israel wanted flesh, so the church has wanted flesh instead of spirit things. And I'm talking about the church at large. God said to Israel, so you want flesh. I'm going to give you flesh until it gets you sick and sick of it. And you want to vomit it out your nostrils. The church was not in repentance prior to the recent national elections, nor is it as I described, I haven't heard any true repentance as of yet, nor is it presently in, the nation, in a national repentance. We are going to see something similar which has already started where God's, God feeds what the church, or the, I'd say the flesh church, wanted until it vomits. The church at large helped choose the present judgment. The church at large did. Even with the arguments, you know, somebody might say, here's an argument. Even somebody might say the arguments, well, the numbers weren't really as they depicted. I'm not arguing that. Even with the numbers, I'm talking about the votes, the numbers. Even with the argument that the numbers and the votes were bogus, that still is not a valid argument in regards to this present judgment. Why? Why? Because the church chose the present place or leadership in our country by not providing an anointing that could stop the falsehoods. Even if you argue, well, the election was not, it was a bogus. Okay, I'm not arguing that. I'm saying still the backslidden church didn't carry an anointing that could stop that. Don't you think, don't you, wait a minute, don't you think for one minute that if there's an anointing coming from a people that's walking, that God can step in and shut down every kind of dominion voting machine, every kind of falsehood, every kind of, God could have done that, but he couldn't do that because there's a backslidden church even if they voted one way, they were still backslid enough that he said, I can't do it. I won't, he, I won't do it. It wasn't that he wouldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He absolutely couldn't do it. So the backslidden church has participated, whether the votes were right or wrong, and you know where I stand on that. The overall backslidden church has provided the permission for the present judgment upon the whole nation. President, now I'll say this, and I'm going to talk just a few minutes here about what are you talking about, the present, and what is going to increase. President Biden's and Vice President Kamala Harris's approval ratings are at an all-time low and reaching historic. I mean, way beyond, you're going to find that they're probably already at that and beyond historic proportions of their unapproval ratings every and i don't i don't search news the only the only reason i know this is because i google it and i could run i could run the tabs i ran the tabs abc nbc cbs uh msnbc all of them all of the liberals are crying every liberal news outlet is reporting incredible disapproval ratings incredible i mean if it continues it's it probably already is beyond any president ever and it's as if the liberals 
are crying out, we don't want this man to rule over us anymore. Well, the church helped you. And here's, uh, I'm going to be facetious, but guess what? Guess, you want some news? This isn't even a year yet. We got three more to go. You're going to eat quail. You're going to eat quail until it comes out your nostril. Inflation is at an all-time historic pace. I don't know if the numbers has reached, but the pace, if you'll read this, if you'll Google this, the pace right now that's happened in the last few months, inflation is, is headed towards an all-historic and that's in 11 months. What does that mean? <laughs> it means everything. Practical. Well, my little, my little, thank God for my Dodge pickup. It call, when, Mr. when Mr. Trump was in office, it cost me $40 to fill it up. Since Mr. Biden has come into office, it cost me $70 to fill it up. That's just one thing of inflation. Food is going to skyrocket. It's going to continue. God is going to feed the nation and the backslidden church quail until it vomits out its nostrils. And there may be, listen, there may be some, listen to me, there may be some reprieve a year. It's still going to be a year from now. Do you know November is still a year from now? When Congress changes, and I, I believe that's very possible, which then will produce, if both chambers, upper and lower chambers of Congress, are changed, then basically it will produce uh, a lame duck kind of presidency. And I know lame duck can mean the last few months of a tenure, but it also means an impotency, an inability. So if both houses change, which is very possible, next November, then there could be some kind of like some kind of reprieve in the sense that there's nothing real, you know, the last two years will be just us sitting waiting other than God doing stuff behind the scenes. Okay? And God is doing stuff behind the scenes. But again, 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 the change of the nation does not predicate revival it does not determine revival anytime you start thinking that ask the holy spirit to give you a sober pill wake your mind up because this is all about revival for us it's all about revival many christians deliberately voted for evil but the ones that did not still millions are living in the realm of the flesh and that produced the no anointing that could not stop much of the evil revival in the remnant church can bring a change to the nation but revival can simultaneously this is what i said earlier revival can simultaneously exist with an ongoing judgment so we're in partial judgment what what's the judgment once you make decisions or you are part of a decision where God can't stop something, 
then the repercussions start. And I just named one of them, inflation. God can do nothing in the earth except through the authority of his church. Okay? In regards, now let's always remember this, and I'll, I'll be done by our usual time here. So, In regards to your personal life, as in healing, deliverance, prosperity, you need no other agreement than your own personal faith. Okay? No disagreement affects what God can do for you personally. In other words, they won't agree with me. Or I've had poor, sometimes poor people say, I think somebody's casting a curse on me. I don't care. You get a million witches together and say, I'm, you know, kill, kill him. Now, you can stand. If they, the devil may try to come and just kind of, but their agreement does not set you under their authority. Otherwise, we're always subject. Somebody out there might be saying they're not going to have revival. Well, I don't care what they're having. I don't care if you put a million people against our 25 confessions. What matters is the righteous are in authority. Your confession is what matters. But when it comes to a nation or national matters involving hundreds of millions of people, the condition of the entire church makes a difference in what God can or cannot do. That's different than you personally or a church that has one mind and says, we're going to receive revival. In regards to revival, it is produced by, by the spiritual. That's us. So the dead church has nothing to do with its being produced or not being produced. Remember the 70 elders of God that took on the spirit of Moses. Sometimes people will say, me, say to me, Pastor, you won't believe what is on Facebook and what people post and stuff. You know what? And, and I don't have Facebook, and that's okay, and I'm not condemning anybody who does. I think it's great. My, all my daughters have it and everything. But, um, but a lot of times people will look at stuff, and they'll get real discouraged because they say, you, you cannot imagine the craziness is in the body of Christ. And I, I'd say, yeah, I'm sure it is. But uh, feel sorry for them, but that has no reflection on us. In other words, they're not stopping, no matter how crazy it is out there in the church at large, I could, it, that doesn't matter to me. I don't care how crazy they are. I don't care how flesh they are. In that sense of the word, I do care about people, but their flesh, you know, their flesh trips has nothing to do with our revival. This is going to come no matter what anybody wants. I mean, what they want or what they're living. Um, make no mistake about it, revival can and will go forth in the midst of judgment. The early church, and I said, thrived in the midst of the Roman occupation, which I believe was a judgment from God on them. Uh, God has said to the backslidden church, <laughs> do you want flesh? And I'm repeating this again, probably the third or fourth time. I will give you flesh for the next four years until it comes out your nostrils. You'll even vomit up the things that you wanted, the things that you allowed through your backslidden conditions. I pray that really causes some people, to, in some mega church pastors, to repent. Uh, what way do you, you're, you're talking about partial judgments already here. Yeah, it is. In what ways? Well, one, we, we talked about um, inflation. That's going up, and it's, it's, it's very possible next year it'll be way worse than now. Okay. Another one is na our national authority in the earth. There's no respect anymore for Americans after Afghanistan. That's, you know, no respect. A missionary told me once, we love it when a strong president is in power because we don't have to worry on the mission field if we'll be protected. 
if you have a, an administration like this, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be there if God told me to be there, but you don't like it because you wonder how much respect uh, the, 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 the nation will have for you. It's, and again, inflation is starting to rise and will only gain momentum in the months and the years ahead. Um, I gave you some personal examples of, but that's food. That's not just gas. It's going to be everything. Um, what's another one? This pestilence that's on our nation. Now, God did not create COVID-19. God didn't send it because there's been a lot of Christians that are good people and are revivalists that have had it and some that have even had it that have passed away that was not a judgment against them but I'll tell you what is judgment when God's anoint anointing is not strong enough in a nation to drive it out we're, we're under judgment the anointing you can drive it you can stand on your property and believe Stand over your home and believe and over your life, and when the symptoms come, you keep fighting. But I'm telling you, the reason why it has not been wiped out, pestilence in the Old Testament was God saying, God didn't start it, God didn't send it, but the church hasn't been able to get it out of here. Division, there's division in our nation. Violence and crime. Um... Now, how will God take care of the revivalist in the midst of it? Let's go to Psalms 91. I, I said we'd be out of here, and we will at a normal time, which is 9 o'clock. We've got about nine minutes. Watch this. Look at Psalms 91. Now, I'll say this in preface to it. The backslidden church at large loves to read this. They love to. And they claim, they claim this chapter. But they have no idea that they speak in regards to, in this chapter, to their own shame. Really, their lives make a mockery of how they try to claim this. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That is us in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, staying in a place of intimate discourse and walking in righteousness. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my for fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shalt thou trust his truth in the midst of whatever comes over the next four years. Listen, please also, I got to say something. If some kind of major miracle took place where the tree was uprooted and another tree was planted in less than four years, we'd see something that's never happened in our nation. But don't be one of these people. I believe things are working at a grassroots level and some wonderful things are working. But don't be one of these mysterios that's a, 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 a what would I call them? A, an adrenaline junkie. Every month... Every month, President Trump's going back in. Every month, come on, people. Come on, people. Come on. You get ready for the long haul. Because part of what God, the reason why he couldn't answer it in November, last November, and the reason part of it is because he's going to take, he's grinding up the calf, a flesh and say, you Christians that allowed this, 
even the world at large is saying, we don't want this anymore. We thought we did. And God is saying, no, 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 no. No, no, you're, you're not going to eat it for a month or for a day. But you that are inside of revival, get into Psalms 91. But here's my pastoral wisdom to you. Sit down with the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, you've taken your church through hard times before. Paul walked through them. What's my budget? Do I need to revamp it? Listen, sometimes the budget you had in one season doesn't mean it was wrong, doesn't mean you were fleshly or overspending, but sometimes based on what is coming, you need to have the mind of Christ and say, to survive these next few years, we need to revamp some things. I'm not going to spend as much as I used to. Or I'm not going to... Now, some people make so much money and, you know, that it doesn't matter to them. But I'm telling you, inflation, different things. And this is, the, this is where people sometimes in the church, they think, oh, no, 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 no. I'm claiming, listen, you're going to be kept in the middle of it. And you can be prosperous in the middle of it. But as, as sheaves in the midst of, you know, as sheep in the midst of wolves, we're, we get thrown in the fight, in the war, even when the war's not directed against us the judgment has come and the judgment is going to get worse but we can still prosper in the midst of it but you need to watch your p's and you need to watch your q's and uh, i could read the rest of this but you know the rest of psalms 91 hallelujah hallelujah did you have a good time i have more scripture but i won't read that to you there was scripture that I wanted to read about wormwood. Wormwood's all throughout the Old Testament. Wormwood is a concoction made of a wormwood herb. Uh, it's, it has some medicinal purposes, but it can kill you. And it's bitter to the stomach. And God in different places, in Jeremiah, Amos, Daniel, <laughs> different places, no, Jeremiah and Amos is where I had, and there's some other places. But he would, he would say, I'm going to cause my people to drink of the wormwood. It would make you vomit. It'd make them vomit. It was bitter to the belly. It's like you get a bellyache from drinking wormwood. America at large and much of the church is going to be made to drink of wormwood during this time. But... Can we prosper? Yes, we can. Can we have our revival? Yes, we can. Here's an understanding of judgment in the midst of revival, and I hope it helps us all. Amen. Let's all stand. What's that? Praise God. Amen. We're going to see blessings in the midst of all of it. Father, we bless you, and we give you all the praise and glory. We thank you for your word and for the goodness of understanding. Lord, in the midst of whatever's coming in the next few years, Lord, we're going to prosper, and mostly we're going to have this revival. We bless your people. We're excited about Sunday. God bless you all. Have a wonderful next few days and a wonderful night. Be blessed. <laughs>